Real Cuff Radio is about to begin. Everybody loves a hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. Yes, good day. This is Sandra, and Sandra and Wayne are here with Ron Hall. This is Real Cuff. Todd and Juliet interviewed him a short time back on his book, The Same Kind of Different as Me. And both the book, which, which was on the New York Times bestseller list for a long time, and the movie, it was awesome as he explained it. And today, Wayne and I want to have him share about a new book called Working Our Way Home. Ron, Wayne, you want to say hi? Hi, hi Ron. How are you doing? Okay. I read, I read the book, and it was very easy to read because you write a lot of descriptions. And uh, and and that's the way I like it because you don't put it to sleep because it's just like being right there. So <laughs> go ahead, Ron. You you can get started and uh, and just uh, say it in, in your own words. Just go ahead and start. Well, just uh, of course I'm happy to be on your show. You guys are in California, aren't you? Uh, no, no we're back in Texas. <laughs> in, in, Texas. Li- in Lindale, Texas. Oh, what? I know Lindale, Texas very well. I used to go to uh, Times Square Church in New York at Pastor Wilkerson's church. And, uh, yes, he is from here. So I used to go up there, and I, I had an apartment in New York City. So uh, I, I know Lindale very well, and I have relatives. My, my uncle is actually president of a Baptist seminary in Henderson, not too far from you. I'm, I'm glad to be on your show live from Lindale. <laughs> okay, that okay, sounds good. You go ahead and take over now. Well, I don't know. I never have taken over a show before, but uh, <laughs> here I'll do the best I can. You know, I guess maybe, uh, hopefully, uh, some of your audience uh, knows our book, Same Kind of Different as Me. It was uh, a number one New York Times bestseller and stayed on the list for three and a half years. Uh, you know, it's it's been a, it's a book that uh, we have used uh, that story. It's a God story, as you know, and so we've used God's story in telling it in in in, in the words of, of the book. Same kind of different as me. We've used that to raise more than a hundred million dollars across America for the homeless. Yes, it is. Uh, you know, God has really blessed that story and that book, and uh, and He's using our movie to do the same thing. I was just this past week, I spent uh, the week in uh, Minneapolis, I'm not Minneapolis, in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, at the uh, National Convention for the Association of Gospel Rescue Missions. And uh, I was just blessed to hear how our movie, Same Kind of Different as Me, has been changing cities all across America and changing people's lives in the way that they treat the homeless, that they they have been... uh, able to have their eyes opened by God through seeing this film to see that the homeless are no are not really invisible you know because so many people in America want the homeless just to become invisible and to go away you know and my homeless friend Denver who was really uh, 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 illiterate black man who had never been to school a day in his life and has spent 25 years on the streets uh, many of those years living outdoors by a dumpster uh, in the hobo jungle. But God used him and, and gave him anointing to, um, to you know, 
be my friend and to uh, and, and through his story and his lives you know, we are using uh, his story and his life to uh, to change many other lives but when I first met him uh, one of the first things that he told me he said you know most people look at the homeless as a problem but let me tell you that God sees the homeless as an opportunity for the faithful to show the love of Christ and then he asked me uh, after we became friends and you know that's that's in our book same kind of different as me and, and I've told this story over and over so I'm sure most people most people know it if they haven't they they should read that book but uh, uh, in our new book what difference do it make I tell the story here about how I was sitting on the, the curb with him by the dumpster in the inner city of Fort Worth Texas when uh, all of a sudden he uh, asked me he said uh, mr. Ron are you one of them Christians and I said uh, well as a matter of fact I am that's that's why you think I'm down here on the streets uh, trying to help people and he looked at me and he kind of grinned and he said helping people he said who are you helping down here you think passing out a dollar bill on the street or putting some spaghetti on the plate is really helping somebody and I said well Denver uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I kind of thought it was. And he said, no, Mr. Ron, a dollar bill ain't going to change nobody's life. And a homeless man is perfectly capable of putting spaghetti on his own plate. He said, what you're doing is blessing people. He said, if you want to help somebody, you need to come down here and stay a while and crawl down in the ditch with somebody that's in trouble. And when you when they are strong enough to crawl out of that ditch on your back, then you help somebody. But other than that, you just bless them. And he said, but that really wasn't the reason I asked you if you were a Christian. And I said, well, what was the reason you asked if I'm a Christian? He said, because I want to know why all you Christians worship one homeless man on Sunday and turn you back on the first one you see on Monday. He said, Mr. Ron, you never know whose eyes God is watching you out of, and it ain't going to be your preacher or your Sunday school teacher. He said, it might be a fellow that looks like me. Now, he says, it ain't me, but it might be a fellow that looks like me, and God is just checking you out to see what kind of Christian you really are. So uh, I'll tell you, this man was so wise, and through uh, his wisdom, you know, most people think that I changed his life, and this is a book about how a rich white man went in and rescued a, a very poor homeless man, black man. He, but that's not the story at all. This is, the story is about how this poor wise man changed our city, and starting with me, and then the rest of our city, and now many cities all across America because of the literal dream from God that, a, that a, my late wife had of a poor man who was wise. It was like a verse in Ecclesiastes 9.15 where Solomon wrote, There was found in the city a certain poor man who was wise, and by his wisdom the city was changed. And she asked me to go in with the inner city, to inner city of Fort Worth in search of this man of her dream. And uh, if you know the story, you know that the first time that we saw him, after two weeks of looking for him, we, we were at a homeless shelter when he breaks in and threatens to kill everybody in the place. It seems someone has stolen his shoes. And uh, Debbie said, that, oh, that's the man in my dreams. I said, which one? She said, the one threatening to kill everybody. And uh, then she looked down at me and she said, and I, I think I heard from God that you have to be his friend and find out if my dream is real. 
And I said, but Debbie, I was not at that meeting you had with God. And if I'm going to be friends with somebody who wants to kill everybody, I think I should go talk to God myself. So, <laughs> so for the next five months, at her insistence, I pursued him through the inner city and uh, to find out if this poor man was really wise. And as you know, I found I found the wisest man I've ever known. So, just from reading uh, at working our our way home, just it 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 shared a lot of the stuff that had been in the previous book, but it shared a lot of new stuff, and it really touched our heart because, well, as Denver said, we're all working our way home. We all be homeless. This is yes. not our home. We're working our way home. Keep speaking. He he said, whether we're rich or whether we're poor or something in between, he said in a way, uh, he said, this earth ain't no final resting place. So in a way, we're all homeless, just working our way home. And uh, and so after, after Debbie died in 2000, Denver, I invited him to come live with me. And he moved in with me and lived with me for almost the next 11 years almost. And uh, uh, during that time, you know, he and I sat down and, uh, and wrote this book. Now, what's unusual is that he was the first uh, New York Times best-selling author who did not know how to read and write when he wrote his book. Now, figure that one out. So, <laughs> but uh, he, he would tell me the story and I would write it down and tell me his version and then I would write down my version and we put the two of them together and then we, uh, we wrote us a book. But I'll tell you that uh, uh, we couldn't find a publisher or an agent or anybody that wanted to publish uh, our story, you know, just it was a personal story of, uh, you know, of a, of a, just a, a, a homeless ex-con and a, and a grieving millionaire. And, um, but, you know, I think God put us together and actually threw us together to save each other. And that's, uh, that's what this new book is all about, is our journey of the most unlikely odd couple that were living together uh, in the same uh, in the same house and traveling around the world, trying to change the way that the uh, that the world uh, sees the homeless. And uh, so, anyway, we uh, that was our mission. We really wanted to change the mindset of the of Americans. So. Well, the book explained, and, and it really showed a lot of things, and and even miracles, even many miracles. How when Denver was drinking and and. Uh, yeah. How Debbie uh, appeared in the car, and yeah. yes, and I thought, wow, they have that having that in there, because how how God used your precious first wife, Miss Debbie, to love him and to change him into being what God wanted him to be. Yes, uh, you know, she had spiritual eyes, and she had actually had a, a couple of spiritual dreams that that came to pass you know you know if you think you have a dream or a vision from god if it happens and comes to pass you know it really was from god if it doesn't you just might have been uh you know eating some bad food the night before and thinking it was from god but uh you know when things actually happen the way that you dreamed and you felt like it was a spiritual dream and it happens that way then obviously uh, uh it was god you know my my friend denver used to tell me said coincidences are God's way of remaining anonymous. So, that's, that's good. That. And, and to read that he even, he even went, was invited to the White House and, 
and different oh, yeah. places. Uh, yes, how, how God used him in the different cities and, and the money that they've raised for the homeless and his wisdom about the homeless. Uh, one of the things that he said uh, about if churches would take uh, each one a homeless, how it could eradicate the homeless. You want to talk about that? Well, yes, we were invited to uh, Atlanta to advise the city of Atlanta on how to solve their homeless population. And we were speaking at the uh, Atlanta World Congress Center, the Georgia World Congress Center, which holds thousands of people. And we filled that whole center to hear us speak uh, and, and tell our story. It was a fundraiser and the largest fundraiser ever held for the homeless in, the, in Georgia. But uh, we were meeting with the city council and city leaders uh, at City Hall and uh, they were telling us their 10-year plan to end homelessness in Atlanta. And that day they took us around to about 15 different homeless shelters, and we could see the situation because they were really hoping for our advice and our input uh, on what we had done in Fort Worth, Texas. So uh, as they read the, the, their plan uh, that, 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 could, that they thought would end homelessness in 10 years, uh, when they got through reading, Denver raised his hand. He said, if you mind if I ask you all a question? And they said, no, we'd be uh, happy to hear. Uh, we'd be, you're exactly the person we want to hear from. And he said, well, why is it going to take y'all 10 years to solve your problem here with the homeless? And the person who was head of the homeless coalition there said, well, first of all, it's taken us nearly a year and, and almost a million dollars just to do the study to find out really uh, how we can you know, begin to solve the problem. And uh, he said, but, you know, then uh, now we've got to, now that we have it approved by the city council, we've got to start acquiring the land, building the buildings, hiring the staff, writing the programs and all these things. And we hope by five or six years we see a reduction. And by, of course, 10 years, we hope there are no more homeless on the streets. And Denver said, okay, I, I got you. He said, but just could you all tell me how many homeless do you all have here on the streets? And uh, the man said, well, we have uh, uh, about 6,000 homeless people that live on the streets here in Atlanta. Or some, they sleep in shelters, some of them at night, uh, some on the streets. But, you know, they're put back out on the streets during the day. And Denver said, okay. He said, well, he said, another question. How many churches do you all have in y'all's town here? And the head of the Greater Council of Churches spoke up and said, we have more than 6,500 churches in our city. And Denver said, there you go. Every church, take them one, and some churches ain't getting none, but we're going to take care of this problem in 30 days. <laughs> the sad thing, Sandra and Wayne, is that we never heard from one church in Atlanta that took in a homeless person as per Denver's advice. So. Uh we were talking a while ago. Uh, everybody knows the the scripture in Proverbs nineteen seventeen about when you give to the poor, it's a lo- uh, You're giving really a loan to the Lord, and the Lord will pay you back. But I had never read, and today I really understood it. Proverbs twenty eight twenty seven: He that gives to the poor will never be in need, but great curses will be on him who gives no attention to the poor or turns his eyes away. And, you know, I've ministered like 35 years on the street, and 
and people don't, they don't look at those that are homeless or are in need. Very often, they turn away and don't look, and they already have a awful self-respect problem. It's just a smile and asking them their name and, and speaking. Yeah. If you have something to give in, in some way, but just to give them recognition because yeah. they are. They're gold in God's eyes. They're jewels. And they've come to hard times. You want to expound on that? Well, that that is, uh, you know, that's the most humanizing thing you can do to a homeless person is ask them their name because very few people stop long enough to ask their name or anything else. Uh, you know, in fact, people try to turn away and, and avoid them in, in most cases. But... Uh, when I was walking the streets with Denver, the very first day uh, I was walking the streets with him, and I was uh, passing out dollar bills to uh, to people on the street, and just uh, thinking I was really helping somebody. But of course, you know, he let me know later that I was just blessing people. But uh, I was talking about one man that that I thought was too drunk to uh, to uh, even uh, stand up. And I told Denver, uh, I said, I'm not going to give him any money because I'd run out of dollar bills and all I had left was a 20. And uh, he asked me, he said, what do you see? Uh, look down at the end of the street there. What do you see? And I said, down, I, will, I said, you're talking about at the courthouse? And he said, yeah, I'm talking about the courthouse. And I said, well, that's what I see is the courthouse. He said, well, let me tell you something, Mr. Ron. The courthouse is full of judges and God ain't looking for no more of them. He said, God is looking for servants. Now, if you go walk these streets with me, you leave your judge's robe back home, and you come down here as a servant. And, uh, and so anyway, I, I said, okay, so what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to bless that man. And I said, don't judge him, just bless him. And I said, okay. So I gave the man $20, and uh, he was slurring his words and could barely stand up. And uh, so as we walked away, we got to the street corner. And Denver said, now, he said, I'm going to take you to my school. And he said, uh, he said, let me tell you something. The man that you just judged as a drunk, that man don't even drink. He said, that man was the hardest working bricklayer uh, in the city of Fort Worth and, and a rock man. And he came here from Mexico and he chose to be homeless on the street so he could send all of his money back to Mexico and take care of a large family that's in poverty there. And he said, so you judge that man when what you don't know is that man, it doesn't drink. He had a stroke and is no longer able to work and send money. And he's just trying to get enough money to get back to Mexico. So he said, so don't ever judge people unless you take time to sit down and talk to them and know their story. He said, because every man here on the streets has got a story, and you can't judge them unless you're going to sit down and talk to them and figure out a way you can help them. So that's a very important message that he taught to me. And, and since then, you know, I've never really judged a homeless person since then. And I always ask their names and find out just uh, if I don't even have any money on me or anything, I just engage them in a conversation. And a lot of times they're not even asking for money. They just love to have someone 
to talk to. And uh, I would usually ask him, I said, what's the one thing that I can be praying about for you that would be life-changing for you? That if God could answer one prayer today, what would that be? And it's very seldom to say that we've got, that they need a home or a house. You know, it's a lot of times it's a job. A lot of times it's just they need bus fare to get back home. Uh, a lot of times they just, uh, you know, they just, they just need a friend. They need uh, some health issues that's uh, resolved so they can get a job or they need a car or something like that, you know. And, uh, you know, there's so many things that we can do for, for the homeless. We can help them get to a shelter. We can help them get uh, in, into uh, services that, uh, that would provide them uh, a way to, to get off the streets and to get a job and to become productive again. And that's just a, a simple act of kindness. And, and that's what I, I hoped that our uh, movie would do. You know, I, was, I was hoping that our movie would become much more than a, a movie but it would come a movement where people would be uh, would be uh, ignited uh, by the Holy Spirit when they leave the film to want to uh, make a difference in their communities in the cities. Just one act of kindness at a time, and uh, you know our, our movie illustrates so beautifully that it's not the color of our skin that divides us; it's the condition of our hearts. So if we get our hearts right. We can uh, come together as a community, as a nation, and, and, and God will be lifted up and glorified through all of this. I believe that Denver, uh, you know, reading both of the books and, and the movie, uh, Denver was watching you and found out that it, was, it wasn't that much difference uh, because God made us all. And sometimes yeah. we think that we are better than others, but we are not much different. Uh, when when we look inside and see our needs and the people uh, other people's needs, we find that we're very very similar. Yes, exactly. And that was uh, a, a message that he got to me uh, loud and strong. You know, he said, "You just the same kind of different as me." So, <laughs> a very different question. What do you think, Miss Debbie and Denver are doing in heaven? <laughs> oh, they're rejoicing and having the best time. And uh, mm -hmm. listen, it's, uh, there is uh, that, that I just I can't wait till, uh, you know, I get to see and, and uh, see them. And uh, I know hopefully there's they see what back here on, on Earth, uh, what their lives stood for and how God used uh, their lives and their story uh, to make a difference in, in the communities here. So, uh, you know, I'm. I'm I'm really uh, will be very happy to to see them again, and uh, so you know, and even um, I'm, I'm writing a new book now about my father, who I was not very kind to in the movie, or uh, in my first book uh, or second book, because you know I I only knew him as an alcoholic until Denver Denver, my homeless friend, the last two years of my dad's life when he was 90 and 91 years old. He forced me to go back and reconcile with him and find out why he, you know, why, why he had this drinking problem. And uh, he was 90 years old when I finally learned that he had come home from World War II uh, as a soldier with a lot of wounds that you don't get the Purple Heart for. They were internal wounds and psychological wounds. Uh, 
that were as the, the direct result of him being a soldier with a rifle in the Philippines and having to uh, attack the, the, uh, on, on the, the assault ships going onto the islands and killing, killing literally hundreds and hundreds of Japanese people. And he never could forgive himself for having killed people. And uh, he, he just kind of turned away from everything except alcohol. But uh, I'm thankful that Denver forced me to go in and be uh, a part of, uh, of the reconciliation to find out that he, inside him, was a good man. And Denver taught me, he said, Mr. Ron, sometimes you just got to bless the hell out of people. And your daddy, he had a lot of hell in him. So uh, my father accepted Christ as his Savior, and he and I became best friends the last two years of his life. And I am so, so thankful that I, uh, that Denver, my, my, uh, my homeless friend, and my dad was an old racist too. He was so angry that I, my best friend was a black homeless man. But in the end, he fell in love with Denver. They became best friends, and, uh, and Denver helped minister to him uh, the last uh, couple of years of his life. So, you know, it was, it's another beautiful story of God's redemptive uh, nature, and, 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 and I'm uh, telling that story right now. I was just writing on the book here when I took the time to, uh, to make the call into your show here. So anyway, it's, uh, it's a new book that will come out after, uh, after we uh, have our run here with working our way home. Well, that, that's good. Would you share a little bit? Oh, the movie really showed your dad, portrayed your dad good in it, and, and well, showed the change in him, showed an awesome change in him. John Boyd did an awesome so, Yeah, John would, Boyd, is, uh, he's great. He really embodied the spirit of my father, and he said if I make this movie, if I write this book about my father and we make a movie, he'd like to play him with my dad when he's learned the rest of the story, so... That's great. Would you share about your new wife and uh, yeah, yeah. and the ministry y'all are doing? Well, yes, we. Uh, my new wife, uh, we married seven years ago. I was uh, a widower for eleven years, and that's too long, you know, to to uh, be without a, a companion. Of course, I had Denver, but that's not the same as having a wife. But he and I lived together all those years, and. Uh, on the last year of his life, well, actually, we, we got this, uh, my new wife, Beth, and I got to spend it uh, all together in Denver, and they, they became really close and good friends. And, uh, but uh, we, we started after uh, just this, thinking that the movie was going to generate a lot of money. We started a charitable foundation because it was always my desire to meet emergency needs for the homeless. And I get calls all the time, you know, I guess because our book has had more than 5 million people read it. Same kind of different as me. It's been read by more than 5 million people. So I get calls all the time from people wanting me to help them or have a homeless situation. They need me to help. And, of course, I don't have money like I used to. I've been I've given it all away. Usually it's a lot to the homeless, uh, a lot into the film and things. But uh and my children, I've blessed a lot of people, so I don't have the money to do that anymore. So we started a foundation. It's called the Same Kind Foundation, and you can look it up on the Internet, samekindfoundation.org. And uh, we, are, we raise money and we give it away to 
meet the uh, emergency needs of the homeless. We call it the 911 uh, Call and Fulfillment Center for Emergency Needs for the Homeless. And so just this past week, a uh, homeless shelter uh, in, uh, where I think in California, their plumbing was backing up and they could not, uh, they had to evacuate the, the building uh, because of sewage. So we had to send them emergency money to fix the plumbing in their building, get the homeless back into the building. You know, another uh, homeless center in Charlotte, no, in uh, Florence, South Carolina, uh, their washer and dryer broke. They have 130 people there in dirty clothes and dirty sheets and all these kind of things. So we had to send them immediately the money of uh, $2,500 to buy a new commercial washer and dryer. So anyway, those are the kind of needs that we want to meet. And uh, so we invite people uh, who want to help us do that. They can donate to our same kind foundation. We have merchandise on there. Uh, same kind of different as being merchandise. We have uh, T-shirts that say we're all homeless working our way home. We have all kinds of things uh, on there. We got bracelets that say sometimes you got to bless the hell out of people. We got, <laughs> we got a lot of merchandise that the money uh, goes to the homeless. We have these blessing bags that you can fill and give to homeless people on the streets. So there's a lot of merchandise on there that, uh, that we sell, and the money goes to take care of the homeless and uh also, people have given us art uh, that they no longer want. Since I was spent most of my life as an art dealer, if they give us art that they no longer want and it's something I think we can sell and use for the homeless, uh, then we, we, we take the art, we sell it, and we use that money to bless the homeless. But, you know, it just, uh, it's such a pleasure to be able to meet emergency needs for people that are doing great things uh, in their in sometimes small communities uh, like Lindale, you know, I don't even know if you have a homeless shelter there. Maybe the closest one is in Tyler, but I know that uh, you know uh, th- these things are always underfunded. They're doing more good with little money, and so sometimes just a, a, an overnight blessing for an emergency need is just wonderful to be able to do that. So that we call that the same kind foundation. You can look that up uh, just on the internet and see what we're doing. Uh, there to to bless the homeless. So, and my wife, uh, you know, she never met Debbie. She didn't know our story until uh, just a year before we we married. And uh, but uh, she has taken over uh, a role of carrying Debbie's torch all across America and speaking on her behalf and raising money uh, for the homeless to uh, to bless that. And she works, uh, you know, side by side with me in our foundation our same kind of foundation that's wonderful ron would would you say a prayer for the audience right now uh yes i will speak, uh, just speak lord, over them okay lord i just pray to uh for for every person that is listening right now lord that you would touch their hearts lord you would give them new eyes to see uh the homeless to see the near homeless to see them with your eyes with the love of god that uh, that they would not turn away, Lord. Give them uh, eyes to see, like like the Samaritan when he saw the man in the ditch. You know, he asked, uh, "What will happen to him if I don't stop to help?" Because you know, the priest and the Levite obviously asked a different question. They were wondering what would happen to them if they stopped to help. But when the Samaritan saw 
the man in the ditch. He said, what will happen to them if I don't? Lord, help everyone listening today to be able to, to wonder what will happen to another homeless person if they don't stop and help. I pray that, uh, Lord, you would bless them, uh, that you would uh, give them also the ability to just be servants and not judges. And I pray that, uh, Lord, that you would uh, use uh, this time together uh, that, uh, to make a difference, so that people would be inspired to go out and make a difference, just maybe on their street, you know, maybe uh, in their block, maybe uh, uh, in their neighborhood, in their, in their community, and that we will see, Lord, a great movement sweep across the nation for people who want to see the, eye, the homeless with new eyes. Uh, thank you that you give us new vision that only can come through you. Uh, thank you for these things. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, Lord. That was a beautiful prayer. I believe it will be answered. Wayne, you have anything else to say? No, I think we cover about everything. Uh, if we keep on talking, we'll be talking for hours and hours because we have a lot <laughs> to say. But but I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, you go ahead and... Yeah, do you want to finish the program? With for me? That's a, yes, but that's a wrap. <laughs> okay, no, that, that, I think it's, a, it's a, a good program. So we'll say that's a wrap. All right. <laughs>